Today, we're continuing a teaching series uh, that we've been in for several weeks now uh, that we're calling Roadblocks Moving Forward. We've said that we often refer to this idea of following Jesus as a journey. Uh, Some people refer to it as walking with Jesus. You may have heard people call it their Christian walk, Um, or maybe we use, sometimes we use words like your faith journey. All those terms are fine. Uh, They pretty accurately describe the experience of following Jesus. And if we're moving in a direction as we will be as we follow Jesus, if we're moving forward, then it stands to reason that there is a path that we can follow, there's a road that we can walk on, and perhaps while we walk on that road, then it's clear to me in my experience that it's at some point along the way we're going to encounter some roadblocks. How many of you found that to be true in your spiritual journey, faith journey, walking with Jesus, whatever terminology you want to use, you've encountered some roadblocks? Let me see. How many of you? Okay. How many of you, for the most part, it's other people's fault? So, because that happens. So, here's, yeah. If you're, if you're here today, because here's the thing. I think you're here today because you want to follow Jesus. Uh, you want to be consistent in your following of Jesus. You want to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, following him in a way that makes a lasting and eternal difference in your life and in the lives of others. I believe that about you. So no matter where you find yourself on this journey as a follower of Jesus, whether you've just started the journey, whether you're deep into it, uh, you've probably encountered some roadblocks and some experiences. Sometimes, Sometimes those roadblocks are of our own making. Sometimes they're the fallout of someone else's choices. But the result is the same, and that's what we've been talking about. These spiritual and emotional and relational challenges that slow our progress, maybe even create distance between you and God. So our hope is that by digging into these topics as we have the last few weeks, uh, that as we've addressed them in this series, that we can begin to acknowledge their presence in our lives, address some of the roadblocks, and ultimately we want to move forward and maybe, maybe in your case, regain some of your spiritual momentum and to keep moving forward as we follow Jesus. So whether you're here in person or joining us at church online or watching on demand or listening on the podcast, thank you for being with us, for sticking with us through this series, uh, for engaging with us, for your comments, your feedback, your questions. It's all been, it's been really good. Thank you. We've started off each week of this series with the words of the Apostle Paul from Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, where he says, since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. This morning, I want to talk about the roadblock of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness and what's found on the other side of that. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, the Apostle Paul makes what seems like a very, very unreasonable request of us. And what makes it even more unreasonable is that he didn't know any of us, right? Like he doesn't know any of our stories, any of our heartbreak or any of our disappointments. He doesn't know about your marriage or your kids or your parents or your boss or your finances. Like he didn't know anything about you. And yet down through a couple thousand years of history, he speaks to us and makes this request. So this is what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. He says, get rid of all uh, bitterness rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. So he uses this really strong term at the very beginning of the sentence, get rid of it. And the thing that makes this so kind of insensitive is the fact that he doesn't know anything about me. He doesn't know anything about you. And yet there he is in the safety of 2,000 years removed, where he doesn't have to deal with our questions as we leave the building, right? We can't line up after the service and go, yeah, but what about this? And let me tell you my story. And what about that? He just says, get rid of it. 
And the word that he uses that's translated get rid of, it's kind of a, it's an immediately go into action kind of thing. It's not like contemplate it, think about it, work, just, he's just like go into action and do it. That's the picture. I want you to move into action. I want you to immediately begin to remove from yourself bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander. And then just in case, you know, there's somebody who says, yeah, but you didn't touch on my particular issue. Then he says, as well as all types of evil behavior. So that's pretty much got it covered. Essentially what he does is he makes a list of every kind of relational um, wedge, anything that could get between you and another person. If it's anger, if it's bitterness, if it's a memory, if it's something that caused you to slander or to gossip or evil intent, you know, you're going to pay somebody back, you're going to make them pay. He says anything on the inside of you that would cause you and drive you to say things and do things that would be a wedge between you and somebody else. He says, whatever that is on the inside of you, I want you to go into action and remove it from yourself. Get rid of it. This last little phrase, all types of evil behavior, it's a very general term. Uh, he's, it's where he's saying, I'm saying that anything, like anything that's a wedge, anything where there's someone in your life, you see them at the grocery store, you go the other way because of that thing that happened, you know, last week or last month or 27 years ago, you need to deal with it. You need to get rid of that. You know, if there's somebody in your life, there's always this tension with them. And he says, I want you to deal with that. And you need to deal with your part of that on the inside of you so that you can look them in the eye and shake their hand. So whatever it is that's causing you to want to pay them back, retribution, whatever it is, Paul says, I want you to deal with that. Get rid of it. So that here's why. Deal with what's going on on the inside so that when you see him again, when you interact with her again, you don't have to like, work everything out as to who's to blame for what. You don't have to agree on stuff, but you can look them in the eye. Like You don't have to run and avoid. There'll be nothing on the inside of you emotionally in terms of your thinking or how your, your heart condition that would be a wedge between you and anybody else. Sounds simple enough so far, right? That's what I thought. So Paul says, <laughs> I don't like you right now. That's fine. Uh, Paul says, I, I want you to get rid of all your anger, all your bitterness, get rid of all that. And I'm going to tell you right up front, this is really insensitive. Like I would never, because I'm a sensitive guy, I would never in a million years say anything like that if I didn't have something to back me, like this to back me up, right? Because I've heard too many stories. I've done life with too many people over, the, over a long period of years. Like you could, you could raise your hand, I could probably point you out, and you could say like, let me tell you my story. And we as a body, we'd listen to your story and we'd be like, maybe take a vote on it and it'd be unanimous. Woo, like you get a pass right? You're the exception. You get to keep your anger. In fact, we're, now we're angry with you. Like we're going to join in your anger. We've heard, now that we've heard your story, you just go ahead and hate them. We'll jump in there too. We'll hate with you. We'll pick it, whatever we got to do to make sure they know that we don't like them either. Because I just can't believe that like anybody would treat you that way. You're like, no wonder you're so mad. You are justified in your anger. And the Apostle Paul has the nerve to say without knowing any of the details, I want you to remove from yourself, get rid of all your anger, all your bitterness, all of that. There's something kind of interesting in the Greek language. I'm no Greek scholar, but I like to read people who understand these things. When you want to emphasize something in the Greek language, you put it at the beginning of the thought or the sentence. So the first word in the sentence in, in the Greek, do you want to know what the word is in Greek? The first word, 
all, all. So it starts off, all of your bitterness, get rid of it. All of your rage, get rid of it. All of your anger, get rid of it. All of your tendency towards harsh words and slander, don't live with any of that. And we're like, well, that's unrealistic. Because we'd all like to raise our hand and tell our story. Because I'd be like you, like I, I just kind of pass this off as idealistic. Like it's another one of those, you know, just re, read the Bible kind of verse and it doesn't, it's just idealistic. You know, it sounds good. We talk, we read it in church or whatever, but like really? Like this is why I don't read the Bible, on a, like don't make it a part of my life because the Bible says things like this that no one can do. So let's move on to something else that we can actually do. So, so I can understand that except for two things. And here's why I want to take these thought seriously and spend a few minutes talking about them. Number one, the Apostle Paul didn't write this from under a palm tree on a beach at an all-inclusive resort in the Caribbean. That's not where he was writing this from. He was not untouched by the things he's writing about. When he wrote these words, he's under house arrest in Rome for something he wasn't guilty of. He was framed, he's he's, he's beat up, he's mistreated, he's under house arrest, and he's pretty much ignored. Here's how this worked. Like, they just ignored his case. Month after month, they just ignored him. And he would send appeals, and they just ignored them, because they knew that if it really went to trial, they would have to admit they didn't have a case against him. So here he is under house arrest. The Jewish leaders had framed him. Half the Christians are scared of him. This guy had a lot of forgiveness issues. There was a lot of anger potential. We know that because we saw that in his life before Jesus. A lot of reasons after that to be bitter, a lot of reasons to be ticked off. And he's the guy, essentially from prison, who says, all of your anger, get rid of it. All of your malice, get rid of it. You're, no exceptions. I don't even want to hear the story. Just get rid of it. And the other reason I take this seriously is this, that as we look into these verses further, we discover that here's a guy who's writing these words who actually believe that such a thing is possible. Imagine, like this stretches my imagination. Imagine that there's something that you could embrace Imagine that there's an attitude that you could adopt that would allow you to actually do this verse. Imagine being free from all bitterness and anger. Imagine being able to face your worst enemy, the person who hurt you the deepest, and look them in the eye and shake their hand and say genuinely, hey, how you doing? Like, imagine knowing that there is no unforgiveness left in you. Like, imagine the person who feels guilty, who's carried guilt for a long time over the way they treated you, but you can face them even though they have a hard time facing you. Imagine having no anger, no malice, no evil intent, not even wanting to slander anyone. Imagine what it would be like to have that kind of peace with everybody. Like, is such a thing even possible? And the Apostle Paul is writing these words because he believes that it's possible. And if one person who's been through what he'd been through believes that such a thing exists, that it's possible, then we ought to listen to that because that's a place that I, that's where I want to be at in my life and it's probably where you want to live your life too. So the truth is that, that some of you maybe when you're telling your story, if you were to tell your story today and we got the wireless mic out and we just kind of did the Phil Donahue thing, remember that? Um, the tubs real well, that was a long callback. If you were to tell your story, the tone of your voice alone 
would give away that you're still really ticked. You're kind of mad at everybody. Because you've told your story, not everybody's jumped on your bandwagon, so now you're mad at them. Or maybe you carry it better than most, because you're really sophisticated. But deep down, there's, there's somebody that you'd like to, if they could just somehow evaporate, you'd be po- totally fine with that. Like in your mind, you have conversations with them where they, like, they look foolish. Do you ever do that? Do any of you do that? I do it. I, okay, I do it. Anybody else do it? Because I'm not the only one. So there's four of us, okay, and the rest of you, I got some things to say about you in an imaginary conversation. <laughs> I have these imaginary conversations, and I think we all do. That's how I know I'm angry, when I'm having these imaginary conversations, and I find myself usually driving in my car, so don't, if you're wondering why I'm driving like that, I'm having one of those conversations. <laughs> and and in, my, in my scenario, it always works out where I humiliate somebody in a public place or in, with a group of people, like in my private conversations. And, and, and I shoot off, and ultimately, like I make my case, but I ultimately shoot off this one-liner, and they just look terrible, like they are reduced to like a puddle of goo. And everybody all around is like, yeah, you tell them. And I'm like, walk out like the champion. That's how it plays out in my brain. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right, so I, didn't, I wasn't sure when I thought about telling that if you could identify or not, but a couple of us are... Uh, Yep, we need to schedule some therapy as soon as church is done. So <clears throat> we do this because we're just carrying our anger. Like whatever, so that's my coping thing. Whatever your coping thing is, we do that. We lean into the coping uh, behavior because we're just carrying our anger. And the Apostle Paul says this, like he's talking to Jesus followers and he's like, get rid of it. Like remove it from you. And it's interesting because Paul does this a lot in his writing where he gives us this instruction, doesn't necessarily tell us how. Like, I love my favorite one. I might talk about this next week or in a couple weeks' time, next time I'm up. When he talks, says, like, understand what God's will is. I'm like, that's helpful, you know? So uh, anyway, he does this, like, just get rid of it. So we're, we're like, well, how is, how is that, how is it done? Like, how do you get rid of it? Then he kind of gives us the how. And he almost oversimplifies, but this is what he says in verse 32. He says, instead, like, so instead of carrying all of this anger and instead of slandering, instead of this bitterness, here's what I want you to do. He says, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, but wait, you don't know what he did and you don't know what a terrible person she is and what she, here's the bottom line, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So in other words, the way to deal with your anger, the way to deal with your bitterness, the way to deal with the wedges that are between you and other people, he says it's so simple, not easy, but it's simple. You're probably not going to believe that it's just a one-step thing because it's almost an oversimplification. He says the issue is forgiveness. Now, I don't don't say that to mean that forgiveness is a one and done. Forgiveness can can be a a multi-layered thing. In this particular verse, he uses uh, a word that is in translated forgiveness. And there are two little words in, in Greek that are translated forgive in the New Testament. When you read your English Bible, we just read the word forgive, but there are two Greek words that are translated forgive, and I, and I want to tell you about those because I think this is kind of cool. One word that he doesn't use here is a Greek word that kind of puts things in the context of a court. So like here's a judge who recognizes that you're guilty of a crime. The jury says you're guilty of a crime. The system says this is the punishment for you. And the judge like slams his gavel down and says, you're guilty, but you're pardoned. 
You're guilty, but you're free of the consequence. You did the deed, but I'm pardoning you. Like I'm removing from you the penalty associated with the crime. That's one form of forgiveness. The word that says, uh, that, that, that word is, is translated in all throughout the New Testament as forgiveness. It's like God forgave us of our sins. You know, but, but like you're guilty. You did the deed. You're a sinner, but I'm forgiving you. That's not the word that Paul is using here. There's another word here, and it's a more relational word, and it actually kind of, it kind of uh, implies that we understand what forgiveness is, and it really is the concept of graciously giving the gift of forgiveness. So the idea here is this, that, that church, Christians, followers of Jesus, however you identify yourself, when you think about your relationships with each other, he says, I want you to develop a mindset, an attitude, kind of an approach to life where you are constantly giving the gift of forgiveness. Like every time you're offended, I just want you to give the gift of forgiveness. No, you didn't ask for it. You don't deserve it, but I forgive you anyway, right? So like, here's some forgiveness for you and here's some forgiveness for you. And I didn't, you didn't even know that you offended me, but I'm just going to forgive you anyway. He says, I want you to develop a mindset that everywhere you go, that you're constantly dishing out forgiveness, that that becomes true of you. And in essence, what forgiveness is, it's basically deciding, I'm going to treat you as if this never happened. So here's something. I can't forget that it happened. I can't forgive and forget. Neither can you. But I can forgive. I don't think forgiveness has anything to do with forgetting. I don't think it's in the equation at all. But the idea that I haven't forgotten, but I'm going to treat you as if this never happened. I'm not going to hold this against you. You don't owe me anymore. You don't owe me what I used to think you owed me because I forgive you. So before we go any further into this, I think I want, to, I want to land on a definition of forgiveness. Like, what are we talking about when I'm using the word forgiveness? I've never found a better definition for forgiveness than this one, that forgiveness is choosing to live with the consequences of someone else's sin. Forgiveness is choosing to live with the consequences of someone else's sin. At its most basic level, that's forgiveness. So Paul says, I want you to develop a, a mindset and an attitude of constantly forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and giving the gift of forgiveness. Just deciding, you don't owe me. Yeah, you messed up. Yeah, you wouldn't talk to me. Yeah, you stole my idea. Hey, I can face you in the grocery store now because I'm not going to treat you. I'm going to treat you as if this never happened. I'm not going to hold this over you anymore. I have tried to forget. That's kind of impossible. The more you try to forget something, the more you remember it. So I'm just going to remember it, but I'm not going to hold it against you anymore. I think that's really powerful. I write this off. You don't owe me. I feel kind of awkward even preaching on this sometimes, and I'll tell you why, because I've sat through hours and hours of hearing stories, and some of, like, some of you in this room hearing your story, stories that include abuse and neglect and divorce and death and abandonment, just everything you can imagine, really. And I find myself getting as mad as the storyteller is at the person they're talking about. So I would never in a million years feel like I could come in here and like, just forgive, it'll all work out, it's great, don't worry about it, not a big deal, forgive, that's all there is to it, let's close in prayer, sing a song. It's just too unrealistic. Except for the fact 
for what the Apostle Paul says next in this verse. And this is the key to forgiveness. See, as long as I'm just dealing with you, as long as, you know, you hurt me and I got to deal with that hurt, as long as it's just you and me, I may not be motivated to forgive and I don't know how to forgive and I don't know where to pull that from and I may not be able to find that within myself to forgive. It's just too much, it's too complicated, it's too painful. But here's the Apostle Paul, again, as he always does, setting a ridiculously high standard for those of us who are followers of Jesus. Verse 32, he says, Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I'm not to forgive you based on what you've done. I'm not to forgive you based on whether or not you're worthy of it. My forgiveness is not based on how you've treated me, but how I've been treated by God. I'm to reflect back onto you the forgiveness I've received. So bottom line, I'm to forgive because I've been forgiven. I don't often ask you to do that, anything like this, but would you, could you say this with me? I'm to forgive because I've been forgiven. That's the issue. The issue isn't the amount of pain, because like maybe you could tell a story where your pain registers a five on a scale, right? And somebody else can tell a story, and they're going to plus it a little bit, so they got a seven. And then someone else comes along and tells a story, and we're all like, dude, that's a 10. And the Apostle Paul is like, I'm sorry, this forgiveness, it isn't about how you've been treated by other people. It, it has to reflect how you've been treated by God. You're to forgive as you've been forgiven. And it's interesting, too, that when he says we must forgive, it's in the present tense. Like we're to be constantly forgiving. And I don't know, you've probably found this to be true. In your process of forgiving, you may find yourself somewhere down the road coming back around to the same offense, realizing I forgave on a certain level. Now I need to forgive at the next level. I just got to peel, keep peeling this back and just keep giving forgiveness. He talks about the forgiveness we've received from God. And that's a different verb tense. Like it's a verb tense that we don't even really have in the English language. It reflects sort of a snapshot. It's 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 if God took some snapshots of different times in our lives and handed it to you and said, "Remember this. Remember this. This is I forgave you." And we are to live our lives forgiving other people. I'd say re- remembering the incidents in our lives where we needed forgiveness where we so desperately needed God's forgiveness. Can you think of any of those times in your life? Those times where you promised God like a dozen times, I'll do this. I won't do that anymore. All the times you've gone to God and said, God, I'm so embarrassed to even have to come to you with this. Sometimes like, you blew it and you went weeks without talking to God because you ever done that? Because you're just like, I can't do it. I just can't. I got this thing and I'm just, I, and you just went off and just kind of like sat in a season of sin for a while because you just couldn't think about facing God. And maybe you finally come back or you, as you deal with it and you process it, or maybe you're coming back to church for the first time in a long time and, and you're reading your Bible and you come to realize that he's just, he's just been waiting for you. He's been waiting for you to come back. Like he forgave you before you asked for it. And he's invited you to live your life in a constant state of forgiveness. And the Apostle Paul says, hey, as you think through the people who have hurt you, let, let's face it, some of our hurt is kind of petty. Some of it that we've allowed to be a wedge relationally is not major life event, life-changing stuff. It's some of it is just silly stuff that we get bent out of shape about and hold on to for a long time. 
Some of it's very real, like literally criminal. Like there are natural consequences to those actions, right? Some of it's really, really serious. But some of it doesn't amount to anything. So the Apostle Paul says, as you consider the hurt that you've experienced, the pain, the temptation to hold on to that anger and to let it turn into bitterness, you know, because it's uh, kind of fun. Like you like telling your story, right? He's like, I want you to hold that up in light of what God um, has had to do for you over and over and over. And if you're a Christian, then in light of that, you must forgive you because you are a forgiven person. You've got to let go of that pain because you are a forgiven person. You've got to decide you don't owe me anymore. I'm going to treat you as if this never happened because you are a forgiven person. This is extraordinarily important for a church. It's just unbelievably important. Let me tell you why. A couple of reasons. Number one, forgiveness is the only way I can get back into your life once I've hurt you. Like once I've offended you or once I've done something to hurt you, the only way we can ever restore a relationship is for you to forgive me. So like those of you who are married, you know this is true, right? You do, right? Okay. Let's back up then. Um, like I do something and blow it and uh, I offend Alethea and I hurt her and she gets upset because it's all my fault. And I come crawling back and like, please forgive me and all that. Like at that point, it's up to her. Like I can do all the things, right? Like I can, whatever, clean the house and bring her flowers and buy her jewelry and give her a week's vacation from me. And I can do all kinds of stuff. But <laughs> none of you laugh, but <laughs> she's like, I wasn't counting on her being in the room. She's like, yes. <laughs> None of those good things earns my way back into her favor. It comes down to her deciding, I have, okay, I forgive you. I'm letting you back in. Because if there is no forgiveness, there is no relationship. And we as followers of Jesus have been called to work together as the church, the body of Christ, to accomplish something great for God, to accomplish and live out the values that the, of the kingdom that Jesus came to bring and to usher in. And if we're not a, a, a community that is characterized by forgiveness, there is no hope. There is no future. It's just a matter of time. I'm going to offend you or hurt you, and you're going to offend me, and we're going to take somebody's seat, and some kid's not going to be treated right, and I'm going to like miss an appointment, or someone's going to park in my thing, and it's just a matter of time. We're going to offend each other. And if we're not a community of forgiveness, it's just a matter of time till this whole thing kind of falls apart because we won't let each other back in. The best book I've ever read about forgiveness is Philip Yancey's book, What's So Amazing About Grace, that um, Amanda referenced a few weeks ago. I read this book about 20 years ago, and I've read it multiple times, and I've, I've got a couple copies on my shelf that are all marked up because I forgot I had another copy, so I marked up a different copy, and I've given a bunch of you copies. And Anyway, this is what it says about forgiveness. That forgiveness, Philip Yancey says, forgiveness offers a way out. It does not settle all questions of blame and fairness. Often, it pointedly evades those questions, but it does allow a relationship to start over, to begin anew. We focus so much on the blame and fairness part of it. And if we are in a community that forgives... It's just a matter of time to our community that disintegrates because humans hurt each other. 
That's why the Apostle Paul says to this brand new church in Ephesus, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of your rage and your anger and your harsh words and your slander. And if that doesn't cover it, all types of evil behavior. All of it. Put it all away from you and forgive one another. And I think the big, big reason why we've got to lean into this and deal with this as a church isn't just because we've got to get along. It's because forgiveness is like our number one export as the church. I mean, what is the church about? I think it's about forgiveness. Like, and, and, and we can connect you with God and you can come to this church and we'll do our best to connect you with God and we'll tell you how he's already forgiven you of all of your sins. But, but there's something a little bit strange about a forgiven people whose message is forgiveness who won't forgive each other. That's kind of weird. There's something wrong, major wrong, with a church whose message is forgiveness, who are forgiven people who won't forgive each other. So the Apostle Paul says specifically to Christians, to church people like us, he says, look, I know you've been hurt. I'll, you know, I'll share horror stories with you. I'll show you the literal scars on my back. But I'm telling you, I've forgiven them because there's something bigger at stake. And he says, as I stand and think about what God has forgiven me of, and as I think about like, all the, just the fact that he's restored me into relationship, like who am I to withhold forgiveness from somebody else? So he says, all. All, all, all. You got to get rid of all of that because it's like a disease. And what starts in you spreads to your family. And what starts in your family spreads into the church. And what makes its way into the church affects the Christian community in this area. And what affects the Christian community in our area impacts the eternal destiny of people that we love and care about and work with and live with and socialize with and the people that your kids go to school with and the people you care about. So we got to get rid of This matters. We got to get rid of all this stuff. Some of you know what it's like to get that report from your doctor that the biopsy was positive, that you have cancer. Our first reaction after the initial shock and fear, the first issue is when we find out we have cancer, do you remember this, is, well, can we get rid of it? Like, how do we get rid of it? Let's get rid of it. Is there a treatment? Is there a cure? Like, do what we have to do. Let's get rid of it. You first find out you have cancer, you don't go like, hmm, I wonder how I got that. Huh. Your first reaction is, can we get rid of it? Like, finish the sentence. Can we get rid of it? This is what it has to be with anger and bitterness and forgiveness issues. But here's what we do. We reverse these things. We want to track down the source. We want, like, we want to go to counseling and therapy, and I highly recommend that experience. An effective counselor is going to be good at helping us find the source. But the problem is, if in that process, when everything is said and done, and we uncover the wounds from our past, we dig into some issues, whatever the thing is, and we find out who we really have the problem with, who our bitterness is really directed at, and if we walk away from that discovery feeling better just knowing that, you know, I just found out why I'm such a jerk, then you haven't gone far enough. Maybe you haven't spent enough time in the process of counseling and therapy, or maybe you haven't found the right counselor, because as important as it is to discover and uncover all of that stuff, that's an important part of the puzzle. I, real, I just encourage you if that, to be a healthy, thriving person to explore that. But beyond discovering and uncovering, Paul says, at the end of the day, where your anger comes from, where your bitterness comes from, where your dysfunction comes from, that's not the whole story. It's part of the process. At the end of the day, we have to figure out how to deal with it. How, in Paul's words, do we get rid of it? So finding out where it came from is part of the process. But don't be content to just track down the source of your anger and your hurt and your bitterness and your relational dysfunction and lean into that and stop there. Paul says, all that, 
Let's get rid of it. Because the, the covert thing about anger and bitterness is like the thing that's sort of the trick that we, that we never come to grips with. And one of the reasons that, that holding on to anger and bitterness and resentment and offense is such a waste of time. Like, do you realize that even if the person who offended you and hurt you the most, like think like your, your, your worst relational hurt, even if the person who hurt you came to you today and fell down on their knees and said, I was wrong, I was wrong, I was wrong, I'm sorry, isn't it true that they still couldn't return to you what they've taken? Like your father can't give you a childhood again. The person who's robbed you of your reputation can't give that back to you. The boss who mistreated you for so long can't come back and give those years back. That ex-spouse who mistreated you and maybe walked out on you, you know, there's no putting that. The, the tragedy is we hold people hostage to things that they can't give us anyway. I'll just take a breath. I could use a drink. Water. clarify we hold people hostage to things they can't give us anyway like even if they come back and they come clean and they're as genuine as can be they can't return to us what we think they owe us and and if they can't pay us back anyway why in the world do we cling so tightly like why not just forgive why not just cancel their debt Do you know that, that by forgiving others, we're trusting that God is a better justice maker than we are? I'm quite skilled in the art of judging and justice making. I don't know about you. I like to think it's a spiritual gift, but I think the Holy Spirit has something else to say about that. But um, forgiving others is letting go of that and trusting that God is a better justice maker than we are. By forgiving, like we release what we perceive as our right to get even. We leave all the issues of fairness for God to work out. We leave in God's hands those scales that balance justice and mercy. So, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus today, you need to charge out of here and get busy. And let me tell you, because you know this, focusing on the source of your hurt and your pain and your anger is one thing. That's important. And for most of us, it's usually a necessary step. But it's just a step. Like discovery alone doesn't result in forgiveness. Also, just let me clarify this. Forgiveness doesn't always have to be spoken. This is a heart condition. Sometimes we're actually picking at a scab if we go to somebody who doesn't even know that they've hurt us and say, by the way, 17 years ago, you did that, said that, this thing, and you really hurt me. That's not helpful. Just deal with it internally. But here's the thing, focusing, when we focus on the source of our hurt and our pain, it only gets us so far, but focusing on the source of our forgiveness will empower us to forgive. Focusing on the source of your hurt only focuses you on the source of your hurt, sort of underscores your reason to be angry and bitter and hurt. But when you and I will sit back and take all the pain and all the hurt, hold it up in light of what God has done for us in Christ, that's when we get motivated. Like, that's when there's incentive. That's when you can say, you know, God, in light of all that you've done for me, I'm going to let this go. 
I'm not going to hold this over his head any longer. No, you don't hold my sin over my head. I'm not holding that over her head anymore. Forgiveness breaks the cycle of blame and loosens the stranglehold of guilt. When we forgive, the hurt doesn't disappear. But the burden of being someone's judge falls away. The wrong that's done to us loses its grip on us and is taken over by God who knows what to do with it. So my counsel to you as followers of Jesus, we've got to leave here today realizing this can happen. This can be true of our lives. This isn't some pipe dream of some guy who lived on a grassy hill somewhere. This can happen, but it only happens as we ourselves are living in the stream of God's grace. It's there that we find the ability to respond with grace. And as followers of Jesus, that's what we're responsible to do. To live with a constant awareness of God's grace towards us, which leads us to forgive because we have been forgiven. Oh, and this is hard. This is difficult work. It isn't easy for us. It wasn't easy for God either. Remember in the garden, just before he was arrested, Jesus pleaded with the Father. He's like, if it's possible, may this be taken from me. But there was no other way. This was, this was the way. And finally, one of his last statements, after he pleaded with God to take this whole thing away, finally, he, he, from the cross, he says, forgive them, all of them, the Roman soldiers, the Jewish religious leaders, my disciples who abandoned me, you, me, forgive them. And the Gospels give us a straightforward answer to why God asks us to forgive. It's because that is what God is like. For us as followers of Jesus, as followers who want nothing more than to just walk in the way of Jesus in every area of our lives, forgiveness isn't just an occasional act, it's a permanent attitude. We are called to be like God, to intentionally, purposefully bear God's image. If you're here today and you're not a Christian or you're not a religious person, maybe you're trying to reconnect with God and you've come back, whatever reason you're here, let me tell you this. The first step for you is actually nothing we've been talking about here. It's not to try to deal with the people who've hurt you. The first step for you is to receive and experience the forgiveness of God and to know that freedom that comes from living in that forgiveness. And you're like, well, I've done that a thousand times. I think I'm talking about a different kind of thing. I'm talking about come into a place in your life where you accept the Lord Jesus as your savior, as your forgiver, that you say, God, I've got all this pain, all this junk. I want to deal with it. But before I deal with any of that, I want to know that I'm just solidly connected with my creator through Jesus. And that connection, that relationship is where you find the power and the source to forgive that person that's hurt you. It's that restored relationship with your heavenly father that provides the context for forgiveness of others in your life. It's impossible to give the gift of forgiveness if you've never received and lived in the gift of forgiveness from your heavenly father. So my encouragement to you today, if this is you, is like some of this is pretty practical stuff and it's pretty important, but before we, let's not get the cart before the horse. It all makes sense and you're like, you know, all the pain and all the ramifications of anger and you've seen all that. But don't try to tackle that just yet. I want you to first just to make sure things are right with you and your heavenly father. Let me just kind of give you a couple next steps. First of all, I would say, like, you may have a lot of questions. I'd say get connected to some Christians who are farther along in their journey, in this, their spiritual journey, their faith journey of walking with Jesus, a little further ahead than you are, like been on the road a little longer. Get together over coffee. Get plugged into a small group environment. 
We've got a handful of small groups that meet um, every week in homes or here, right here at the church. You can get one of those groups where you can, it's a more intimate setting. You can have some conversation, discussion, ask questions, maybe find some answers. I think people who are in our small groups would, would love to help you get from where you are to the point where you can, with your mind, with your heart, with your soul, say, God, I believe that you are here. I believe Jesus is your son. I want to receive and live in the gift of forgiveness. So if you want to talk about that, come talk to me after the service when we're all done here this morning. Take a moment maybe to fill out a Connect card uh, that's in a seat back near you. Uh, use, you can use the link at the bottom of the event on the Bible app. If you're watching online, you can click the link that says Connect. Just let us know that you'd like to know more about a relationship with Jesus, and we'll reach out to you probably with an email. But if you're here today and you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready now, then here's, here's what I would, would suggest you do. The, maybe the person who brought you today, I think they can walk you through your next steps. If you came on your own, come talk to me after the service. I usually stay up near the front somewhere for a few minutes after we dismiss. But here's my challenge to all of us. Don't let your anger and bitterness and unforgiveness eat you up. Don't let it eat up and destroy your relationships with your family and your friends and the people you work with and care about. Deal with it. Like as Paul would say, get rid of it. All of it. And if you're not a Christian, the first step is to receive forgiveness that you, this so then you can give the gift of forgiveness. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're well into this journey, do what it takes. Like, don't live with it, get rid of it. Because your witness and our church and the effectiveness of our church together as we strive to carry out our mission hinges on our ability to work together, to do life together, to walk through this mission together. And we have to be a community that forgives. We forgive because we've been forgiven We must extend to the people around us the gift of forgiveness because you and I have received the very same thing. Listen to this song. There is no guilt here There is no shame, no pointing fingers, there is no blame. What happened yesterday has disappeared, the dirt has washed away, and now it's clear. There's only grace, there's only There's only mercy and believe me, it's enough Your sins are gone without a trace And there's nothing left now There's only grace You're starting Stepping forward now, a new life has begun. Your new life has begun. And there's only grace, and there's only love. There's only
Your sins are gone. 